toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you so much again for tuning in this week. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Ananda Das. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we would like to thank our Patreon supporters for allowing this weekly conscious conversation. We are so grateful for all the support we have received with the monthly donations on Patreon, the five-star written reviews on iTunes and Spotify, and the connection in our Awakening Souls Facebook community. We are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. And if you like what you hear, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to invite you to take a moment and get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself. And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Our guest today is Ananda Das, who is an internationally loved musician, song composer, and mantra enthusiast. His musical offerings complement his yogic practices with a deep devotional spirit. His music channels a powerful blend of modern and ancient soundscapes that touches the heart. Infused with mantras in Sanskrit and Gurbani, his music offers blissful energy centers woven into lyrical heart songs. He is a self-taught singer, guitarist, harmonium player, and Bansuri flautist. In 2018, he released a solo album called Flower of Life, and in 2021, released the album Flow Like a River. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Ananda Das. Yeah, my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your journey and what has led down this spiritual path. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, well, I, um, I started doing a Kundalini yoga class at the University of Oregon back in 2006, spring of 2006. And it was just life-changing because I immediately noticed my stress levels plummet and I started experiencing a taste of my blissful nature. And as I took more and more classes of it, because I, after my first term of it, I was like, oh, wow, I've got to take more of that. So I uh, ended up, you know, taking basically that was the end of my sophomore year, spring of sophomore year. And then I ended up taking yoga classes every term after that through my, and I ended up going, you know, five years plus (laughs) extending my time at the university because I was just enjoying it so much. So I got just really, uh, deeply entrenched with the Kundalini yoga. And I started going down to New Mexico for these summer solstice um, intensives that they, they did. Um, they're like 10 day gatherings and just, um, just some of the most incredible um, teachers and musicians from the Kundalini yoga tradition is taught by Yogi Bhajan. 
um, that that just had such a profound influence on me and just was a game changer. So mm. once I started really incorporating that into my life and I started inc incorporating like the, the chants, the mantra practices into my daily practice, my sadhana, that was just like a total game changer. It was like, cause I was a musician already. I had already been a musician in uh, high school and college. And, and as I started incorporating mantra, I just realized, oh my gosh, this was like what I've been missing. Like I had, I was wanting mm -hmm. something deeper as I was spiritually awakening. I was like, oh, I want something deeper in my music. And I want my music to evolve with my spiritual process, you know? So yeah, it was, it was incorporating that. And then in 2010, that's when I met Jaya Lakshmi and uh, we became a duo and partnership. And we like went on to like put out 14 albums and tour nonstop for, you know, basically from 2011 to 2020, we were just touring almost just nonstop and doing almost 200 events a year. Oh, so wow. yeah, it was, it was very full mm -hmm. on and beautiful and magical. And then COVID hit and things just got mm. to get a little rearranged. <laughs> and, um, you know, I went more into mentorship and one, working with people one-on-one, -on -one, but also, you know, I put out an album and still doing a little smaller events here and there. And yeah, now it's starting to pick back up again. I've been pretty busy this summer, mm. especially. Mm. That's beautiful. It sounds like such a beautiful journey and, you know, everything leads us to where we are today. And kind of, so there's a lot of different nuggets there that I'd love to, you know, talk about, but first I'd love to hear more about Kundalini and what that awakening was like for you and, you know, what was the process you used during that time? Yeah. So, you know, I, it was kind of just like it lit a flame, a little spark within my own being. And particularly after the second time I went down to the summer solstice gathering in New Mexico, I had my aha moment. It just, the spark happened. And it was particularly, I remember just having this really deep moment. And then you know, and then this child behind me is like, oh, look, mom, a rainbow. And it's just like, and we were in New Mexico, you know, it's just, there was just this <laughs> feeling like, what is a rainbow doing here right now? You know, like, <laughs> so I turn around, look at it. And it was this moment of like, ah, oh, remembering like the divine, mm. remembering the divine nature of all things. And that led me to this just really beautiful period of my life where I was just so just dedicated on the yogic path. I mean, I've always been dedicated, but that particular time, it was just so, you know, it's like, it's so fresh. It's like a new relationship mm. or something. It was like the honeymoons of spiritual, my spiritual awakening. And, um, and on top of that, I was really guided by autobiography of a yogi. I ended up reading that like three times, <laughs> uh, which became the name, the inspiration for my name, Ananda, because as I was reading it, I just kept hearing Ananda, Ananda, Ananda. And I was like, oh, is that my name now? Like, what's going on? You know, I was like, and I saw, so I felt like I really received that from him. And yeah. And so for many years, I also took on the name Yogi G because I felt like that was really honoring of my other teacher, Yogi Bhajan. And um, that was just, yeah. So for a while, that was my, my journey. And, and then just recently this year, I shifted to Ananda Das because I just felt like it was the next phase of my evolution into a place of more of service, mm -hmm. a place more of um, love and humility. And so I, I shifted gears and it's been amazing. I mean, it's, it's really, truly profound, the shift in the name, how much that shifts. Mm. It's like your destiny. And Yogi Bhajan used to talk a lot about that and different teachers, you know, in this yoga tradition, it's like the name is so much in your destiny, you know, because your name is so much a part of the, of like this constant mantra. It's like your identification system. The thing you almost identify with more than anything is your name, right? I am right. Mm -hmm. It's not even, and you're not even, you're not the name, but we say that, right. It's that's how powerful it is. It's not like my name is it's like, I am Ananda Das, right? So I yeah. am the servant of bliss. I am the devotee of bliss, mm -hmm. right? And yes. of course, that's a linguistical thing, right? But, and, and so many people are, are claiming their name and identifying themselves as their name and not even really maybe even knowing what their name means. But every name has a potency, right? Every name has its destiny. Um, and so in the yoga tradition, we always, there's, there's this emphasis that you can, you know, either receive a name from teacher or be inspired to shift your name um, mm -hmm. towards something that maybe you're aligned with. And for me, it was like, wow, I just, because my spiritual awakening came through such a blissful state, I felt so aligned with that name 
and mm. and it just kind of in, continued to unfold through through my life path through music mm. through yoga practices through touring and sharing you know cacao mm. ceremonies sound mm. healing all this stuff that to me it was tuning into that deepest and subtlest level of of bliss consciousness that is mm. beyond all the like you know the forms and the shapes and the sensory experiences but of course you know we do these things to also get glimpses of it so that we can at least know that it exists and then the more we can refine ourselves to tap into more and more subtle levels of it then we tap into this this infinite bliss of consciousness that in the yoga tradition it's so beautiful they say life is satchitananda it's that the true consciousness of bl is bliss that consciousness itself is so blissful like that the act of just being is blissful mm. so, wow that yeah. is really beautiful and i was curious about that you know just where that name originated from and so i was also have give, been given the name preet saraswati by the 3ho international organization the kundalini organization and so i was just curious you know like because i we can be given spiritual names in different ways, different forms, and people have that downloaded. Some people are being given that by a spiritual teacher or wherever it comes from. But I'm just curious, like how how was that for you to really own that and step into that? And how long did that process take for you to really honor that part of you and and speak that? What was that like for you? <laughs> well, for me, it was actually really easy <laughs> because. Uh, my given name was Andres, which mm. um, is a very beautiful Spanish name, mm. <laughs> but in English, uh, people really struggle with uh, rolling the R's. Mm. So I always, I really struggled with my name throughout my whole life. And there was a, like a, I, you know, I loved the name Andres, but I didn't like Andres or Andreas or Andres or Andres, Andres, like, oh my God, <laughs> like unbelievable. Right. So it was like every time someone was going to call me something, they were going to call me something, you know, different mm -hmm. and, and none of it was really ultimately what it was. And, and it's interesting because Andres is a Greek name and it means courageous, mm -hmm. you know, it means courage. And, and it was interesting that that was a shift for me, but it, it's still, a, a you know, of course it's a life theme because we all need courage, especially now more than ever, right? The courage to, to, to live our, our highest calling, to live our truth. Mm -hmm. And um, that courage is so crucial. So anyways, when I, when I received the name Ananda and I, and I was on my spiritual path and I was such, you know, was on the yogic path, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm definitely switching over. <laughs> no question. <laughs> that was pretty easy for me, but it was not easy necessarily for my family. You know, as at first it was like, oh my gosh, because it really represented like a letting go of mm. kind of a connection with the, the family ties and roots. And of course they thought I was in this cult, which in some ways I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so it took a little bit for them to like accept and just still to this day my parents call me andres you know and mm. but and I've, i'm fine with it you know it doesn't mm. really matter but yeah. i i ultimately like if people want to know that i would prefer to be called ananda and mm -hmm. at this point i prefer to be called ananda das right mm -hmm. because i want to be in that mode of service that mode of devotion it's like das can be service uh devotion and, and humility and so all those things that I'm ultimately just want that to my vibration to just continue to deepen into that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. I was actually just going to have you like explain to our listeners who are not familiar with Sanskrit, like, but you did a beautiful job of saying Ananda is bliss and then mm. Das is devotion and service. And um, yeah, Sanskrit for some people can, can be a little challenging. It's a very vibrational vocal language and you are a mantra enthusiast so maybe you could explain to our listeners like what does what does that mean and what's the purpose of mm -hmm. mantra and how did it help you in your spiritual journey yeah beautiful you know i i think there's just at some point there's a, a resonance with the mantras and it, it can be that only certain ones might resonate with you at first or very few you know, so like when I started in the Kundalini Yoga tradition, we would tune in with Om Namo, Guru Dev Namo, and we would 
and adgure name jugadgure name satgure name siri gurudeve name right we end with satnam the truth is our nature and and all the and the and invocation ones were are really um an honoring of the guru an honoring of the the, the teachings and the teacher that's always present with us this beautiful term this mantra of guru being that which brings us from our ignorance to our awareness or darkness to light and so it can it, it felt like for me it just started as such a simple thing like i just noticed the way i was thinking or my thought patterns was shifted as i would do that <clears throat> i'd be like wow just kind of felt like i'm a little more calm or peaceful or centered right and then as i got deeper into the mantra practices so in the kundalini yoga tradition as taught by yogi bhajan that it's you know we we would do these mantra practices for the morning sadhana from like five to six and there's a series of mantra practices that we would do and could do it you could do them chanting out loud you could sing them you could sing them chant a monotone you could do it internally you know so either of those practices are always welcome and as i started doing that and putting into music it really started to enhance my experience of like, oh, like it was, a, it gave me an expression that was more like subtle than I had ever experienced before in the way that I was relating to the divine, you know, and I love my English songs that are devotional and I love singing to God and, and, and singing to the soul and inspiring music, all that. But there's something that about the particular frequency that certain that mantras carry that you as a soul resonate with. And this is so crucial because you can hear mantras and they can just do nothing for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like, I don't know, doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Right. And the same thing can be said that sometimes you have a mantra that you love, but maybe some artist or someone is chanting it and you're like, mm, that doesn't really do much for me either. Right. But then there's a certain artist maybe and a certain melody and music. And then the mantra hits and you're like, oh, that is so good. You know, <laughs> and it's so healing and it's just so uplifting or it's so soothing or it's so just breaks your heart open and, and breaks down walls that you didn't even know were there or healing that you never even knew that you needed. And so each mantra has a flavoring. It has like a, a certain spectrum and a certain frequency and alignment to the divine. And it's, it's so fascinating because I think so many times we think, uh, you know, well, I'm connecting to the divine. I'm connecting to God, you know, and it's like a very particular way of doing it. And in fact, consciousness is infinite. So there's no one way or one particular avenue necessarily there's infinite ways and infinite you know they call it a lot in this in this tradition flavors it's like there's, there's so many flavors of the divine infinite flavors they come the rasas right the moods and the tastes of the divine and it's like i mean if we think about our human emotion which is a very particular you know it's, it has its these spectrums and all those emotions are, are the, all these different flavorings of our human experience. And now the same thing can be done, but almost an elevated way is called bhakti. And it's that it's the devotion. And so then you're using these emotions in an elevated manner to relate to the divine. Mm -hmm. And then mantras can correlate with those, right? So sometimes they correlate with particular kind of moods and feels and emotions, like some mantras are associated with deities, and then they have a particular archetype and experience. But some mantras are just kind of just plain and simple, like they just, they just mean a certain thing, like Om Shanti, 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 right? You're going to just say like, Om Peace, 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 right? But what are the layers of peace? Like, does peace always feel the same for us? Or is there, all, or is there different experiences of peace? And can you go deeper into the layerings of peace? Like how deep does peace go? Infinite. Mm. <laughs> it's in, how, how deep does bliss go? Infinite. How deep does love go? How expansive does it all go? We don't even, it's, you'll, we'll never know because that's the nature of consciousness. And so when we use mantra, particularly the mantra are designed to at a kind of more gross level, it's designed to focus the mind towards a certain, towards infinity and at a basic level, but it's a very particular flavoring with each mantra. But at the heart level, 
it's designed to open up the heart and expand the heart consciousness and the feelings and the experiences through the heart. Mm. And so then you get a relationship to the divine, not from your head, not feeling like I'm thinking about God, but I'm feeling God. I'm experiencing God through the feeling state. Because if we think about when we like say we're love and we're love in partnership and we love in, you know, in love with our beloved or our family or our children or friends, it's like, we're not thinking I'm in love with them. You know, you feel that you're in love with them. And the same thing is true of the divine, but we can think about the divine all the time. And it's beautiful. That's a good thing to do. That's called Gyan yoga. That's the wisdom yoga, like thinking and using the mind and the intellect, the buddhi to think about the divine. But when we move into bhakti, into the heart, we feel the divine. Mm -hmm. And then it's like ecstatic. Yes. <laughs> so that. the path of bhakti yoga is ecstatic. The path of like going into mantra through, through the feeling state is ecstatic, mm. right? Through meditation, through the mind, it's, it can be expansive, it can be peaceful, it can be uh, all these different things. But when you really get into the feeling state, that's when it starts shifting into the bhakti and it's really the ecstaticness. It's the, mm. And it's also like the longing. There's talked a lot about this with the bhakti. It's like the longing. And all of a sudden, you know, there's this times maybe you, you've forgotten about the divine God and, and then you start crying and you're like, what have I been doing? doing i've been forgetting all the time about my connection with the divine you know and so there's a sadness but then you get to re-remember and you can be ecstatic about it too you know and this is the constant game of humanity of, of us because we're we're constantly forgetting and remembering that's this the whole game that's and so true. mantra practice is is that is that helping us to keep the mind focused with the divine, keep the heart feeling the divine, and then having your ultimately your awareness, your soul awareness, consciousness, just present with the divine, present with life, right? Because ultimately, we're just this microcosm of the macrocosm. We are the divine, but we in our for in our identification with mind and the senses and the past and the future, we get so caught up in it that we don't you know, we forget. <laughs> mm. So, you know, in the case like with Ananda, right? Ananda, it's, it's this the self-referral bliss. It's not just, you know, I think a lot of times it's like, there's like this uh, attempt to get to bliss or to achieve bliss, but you don't have to achieve anything. It's because it's always there. We actually just have to undo all the things that are keeping us from just being in a blissful state because that is the default of who we are. So that is questions like, what am I doing that's keeping me from my default of blissful state of being? Mm. And that's, that's quite the practice because you realize that there are so many addictions to uh, the material realm, to the emotional realm, to all sorts of things that keep us disconnected from just our natural state of being. And you know that that's the natural state of being because when you, maybe at certain times you get stripped away of all those things. And, and you either get completely miserable or you hit another layer of it and you realize, oh my God, it's just all God, right? Oh my God, it's just all divine. Oh my God. And you, and there's a serenity about it. Like blissfulness and serenity are really just like together. Right. And a lot of times people have that kind of euphoria moment, like if they're hiking a mountain or they're doing something very strenuous or something, but then they have this serene moment or you're, you know, you have this just incredible experience of mother nature or something that just totally puts you in awe. Right. And it's so all of a sudden, what is that? What does that really mean? You, you become so present. You let go of all your past. You let go of all your future. You let go of all the identifications who, who you think you are. And then you're so present with this moment and you're so in awe of whatever it is. Maybe it's just this blooming flower or mm. this lightning strike or a rainbow, or, you know, you just come across this Alpine Lake or, you know, whatever it might be, crystalline blue ocean waters or a whale jumps out of the water and you're just so unbelievably captivated and present, or you fall in love and you're just so in love with your beloved and you're just, your eyes, you can't, you can't fathom how in love you are. You just, a child is born and you look at this child and you're just completely in awe. Like, how did this just happen? Right. All these different ways in which life gives us those, those glimpses, those moments 
of just like, oh my God. And if you take that awareness to another, like even subtler level, right? Because we're talking about all these things are kind of still externalized. But if you take it to a deeper level and internalize it more and realize there's just this incredible gift of consciousness that's creating all of this constantly. And this is where the yogis say that act of creativity that the consciousness is always doing, constant creativity is blissful. Like God, the divine, divine mother, divine father, whatever we're going to call it, is in bliss and ecstasy creating the experience for us to experience consciousness itself material and immaterial form and no form <laughs> mm. wow that is so profound i mean just all of that because you know it, it i think it really does you know when we can shift that energy from our cognitive you know thinking brain and really embody those messages embody the feelings that's where the magic is right it's not through the mind because the mind is going to get in the way it's going to focus on the past or the future and, and really staying in the present and and so I'm wondering too if you can talk a little bit about for people who are really curious about mantra and wanting to really maybe enhance their practice or get started with it or just strengthen it can you talk a little bit about like how you would suggest them to get started, where they would start? Are there certain, like you said, mantras that maybe some people don't resonate with, but are there yeah. mantras that might be a good place to start? Yeah. Well, in this beautiful day and age, we have so many resources. Um, and one really beautiful and easy way is just to start listening, listening to mantra music. So of course I have a few albums out there and um and then me and jaya lakshmi have plenty of music out there with mantra music um and you can find that on all the different streaming platforms and and then amongst that you could put a radio station on of us or me and then you would hear a bunch of other artists that have a bunch of other mantras songs and so you could just start getting familiar with all these different artists there's so many artists now that mm -hmm. are doing this and so just that's an easy way to start listening of course, I love working with people one-on-one, -on -one, um, and that's an, always an option. You could contact me, and um, we could just start a journey of month of practice and, and opening up the voice and, and exploring the voice as you do that. And, you know, almost all the yoga traditions that, are, you know, at least that have some degree or a lot of degree connected still back to India and the lineages and guru lineages and all that, there's going to be mantra. I mean, mantra is crucial essential in all these yoga traditions. So, and then every tradition has their own mantras typically, you know, that they use as more of their foundations. So it's, again, a lot of times you can almost relate to the flavoring of what tradition you're into by the flavoring of what mantras you might be more into. <laughs> it's a really fascinating thing. So I think that's a great way to just to start exploring it is at least first just starting to listen to the mantras and listening to, to the music. And then if you already have a particular mantra or that you really like, then exploring that in different ways, you can do it, you know, internally or whispering or out loud, and you can do that monotone or you can sing it, you know? Mm. And so it depends on, on your approach. You know, if you're more musically inclined and you love singing, sing it, you know, well, I must say too, like, you know, I've been doing mantras for many, many years. And when I listen to music, such as, you know, one of your songs or, you know, something that I'm really drawn to that helps the embodiment process to really integrate that on such a deeper level. So I, I find that to be really helpful for, for me as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't just become this mental thing of like, oh, I'm just doing this. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, it makes my mind peaceful or expansive or calmer. It's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden then it gets like deeper into your body mm -hmm. and then you start feeling it. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I like this mantra. feels <laughs> good, you know? And that's the whole idea that too, especially like, because what ends up happening is then if you're in a feeling state, 
with something like that, it's like a whole nother level of like, oh, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to experience more of that. And, and then you, the more you can integrate that into your experience, then the more that that carries throughout your day, throughout your day-to-day mm-hmm. experience. And then, and then you're, you're carrying the vibration of the mantra mm-hmm. through your day. Mm-hmm. And it keeps your mind, you know, it keeps your mind in a positive state, more loving state, peaceful state. It keeps your heart more open, you know, and I mean, that's crucial. I mean, especially with how much intensity has been going on these last few years. I mean, I think mantra is like a salvation mm-hmm. for so many people. It's like, oh my God, I just too crazy. My mind's going too crazy. My emotions and we got anxiety. I'm like stressing out. I've, you know, my traumas are being triggered and it's like, put some mantra music on and just let that heal you. Let it, mm-hmm. you know, calm your nervous system. Let it still your mind. Let it just support you because in this tradition, it's like the mantras themselves are such, they're, they're literally like in the tantric tradition, they share it like they're like angelic beings. Like they're just here. They just so support the journey of human evolution and consciousness and, and healing, you know, because if we really look at what is healing at the deepest level, it's, it's just reconnecting back to source of all that is. And that's what mantra does for us. That's the, that's the whole design of mantra is to bring us back to source. Mm, I love, I love that explanation, bringing us back to source and remembering that we are a piece of the divine for sure. I, I love singing. It's actually one of the ways being a rather shy and introverted person by nature. It was a way that I could really speak and embrace my voice and empower me to do things like be a co-host on a podcast, which in, I feel like a former life, I would have never have said yes to that um, because I was always, you know, the shy girl or the really quiet, but I loved to sing even as a little girl. And there was a period in my life where I didn't sing because I didn't think it sounded good. All the judgment and criticism And then, I don't know, after a point, now I'm in my 40s, I'm like, I don't care what people think. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And it just kind of rises up from me. And it's so healing to be able to, you know, speak truth and sing it in a way that it just comes across as a remembering that, you know, I am worthy and I am connected to the divine. So I would love for you to share like either some of your personal experiences or with people that you mentor, like people who struggle with speaking their voice and creating that empowered energy. How can mantra or singing or whatever it is that you would use to help them really actualize that energy? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, this is what what's really been revealed to me this last year as I started doing one-on-one mentorship with with people on Zoom and in person. And it started with this whole situation where it was like a friend came up to me and he's like, hey, I would really love for some support in ex- being able to just sing better and, and express myself more and have more confidence and and just more embodiment. Exactly. And and I was like, okay, well, let's try it out, you know. And literally, I I had not really taken singing lessons hardly at all. I, I did take a gospel choir class <laughs> in college, which was very helpful because it was very much about embodiment. Because I had to sing at the top of my lungs, you know, full power, you know, these these gospel songs. And I was like, oh man, I can't do that just from like straining my throat. I had to actually go deeper into my body. And I, what I realized was that like these gospel singers and opera singers, they go into their body and that's how they get more power. They get more fullness. And most of us, when we're speaking or we're singing, do not go into our bodies. We stay up here. I talk about like, there's a head voice, throat voice, chest voice, and navel voice. And most of us just stay right up here. Right. And so the head voice is, ah, right. It's very sweet. Me. And a lot of times that's where we're speaking from. If we're speaking really softly, we're in our head voice. And then if we speak a little louder, we're in our throat voice. And that's where we can sing to, ah, right. Now, if we go into our chest voice, all of a sudden, maybe our voice might drop a little bit, you know, and we'll get a richer voice. 
And then when we sing, it's much more fullness. And then if we even drop more, we might even tap into our, the power and the fullness of our navel voice. And at that point, then we're really like, uh, just adjust my microphone here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's like the, uh, the opera gospel voice and it's a power you go into your body and you feel the empowerment of that. And I give another example I love to give is, is the, the, like Martin Luther King. I have a dream, right? If you're talking from your head voice, I have a dream. Right. And then if your throat voice, I have a dream and chest voice, I have a dream. And then if you got your navel voice, I have a dream today. Right. And, and where does that come from? Where does that power come from? Where does that fullness come from? Richness, all that. And the same thing can be done with mantra. The same thing can be done because it's, it's bringing that fullness and the embodiment of your connection to your voice and your body into the experience. And it's quite profound. You know, it's quite profound to have, be able to express in that way. And there's a freedom of the expression that gets to be shared that it's like, wow. And, you know, this all can be cultivated. And I think this is so crucial for everyone to know that like our voices are just a work in progress, that everyone has a voice, everyone speaks and everyone can sing. Not all of us have learned or had the, the dedication to learn how to really open up and cultivate the, the voice. And it's okay. You can always start now. You can always start now. And, and you will always, I think you'll be surprised how much can open and shift for you and change for you. And, and the confidence is amazing. I mean, if I think back to when I first started playing music, and, um, and, you know, I was terrified of being on stage and talking and I couldn't talk. I was like, you know, you like, you get caught up and, and it, it took a while, even in college, it was, I got better at it, but it really, it was interesting because there was a combination of two things for me. It was like being at the business school. I had to do a lot of presentations in front of people. (laughs) So then I had to get confident with presenting and talking in front of people and then I think as I developed my singing voice more, I got more and more confident with my voice too. And so then it just became this ease for me to just get on a stage and whether I was going to sing or whether I was going to talk, I just felt so relaxed. And this is a crucial piece, relaxed, being relaxed. Because if we really think about what causes all these blocks, what causes all the anxiety, what causes all the stress, whether you're going to sing or talk in front of people or It's just that you're not relaxed. Like you've created a whole narrative around your voice and your expression. And quite frankly, you know, it's just a story. It's just a story that's been created. And then, but we have to honor where we're at. (laughs) We have to honor the storyline. You can't just be like, well, I'm just going to pretend like I'm not nervous. Right. And it doesn't typically work. It takes practice. And the same thing can be true of the voice, whether it's public speaking or whether it's singing, it just takes practice. It just takes practice. It takes determination. And, you know, I, I love to present my offerings because it's kind of like, you know, you can practice on your own or you can, you know, whatever, take classes. But if you learn from someone who's already has all these skills and all this development with it, like the transference of wisdom and understanding and practices and embodiment is just so much faster. Mm -hmm. So I've seen it with my clients so much where it's like, I just, you know, share with them certain things and boom, like huge breakthroughs with how they, you know, and I get people singing in their chest and navel voice. And I'm, you know, I tell them, I'm like, you know, the majority of people on this planet do not sing from their chest or navel voice. They don't even know how they don't know how to access that voice. And I typically can get people singing there within a few sessions, you know? Yeah. Wow. It sounds like there can be some really profound shifts, especially when you're, you're digging deep into the, the, the body and, you know, the depths through the, the chakras and, you know, bringing up that energy um, seems like there'd be like that Kundalini awakening as you're diving deep into that, 
those energy sources and bringing up through your voice to awaken that that throat chakra. And so I'm wondering if you can maybe talk about maybe some of the shifts you've seen as people are practicing these mantras and opening those those that channel for themselves and how that might translate into their daily life and how they can, you know, really shift in, in using that voice and confidence. What have you seen with that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think more than anything, there's this confidence. There's this confidence in knowing and, and being able to express, being able to express your emotions, being able to express your needs, express desires, and express your emotions. And maybe that's the most profound thing, right? Because that when we're going through our emotional states to use music and use mantra as an expression of that, to move that energy, because ultimately that's what emotions are. It's just energy in motion. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's thought forms that have really consolidated into a storyline that have become something that you've really identified with and they become emotions, you know, you've triggered all sorts of synapses and all sorts of physical um, experiences. So you have feelings and then you have the emotions. <laughs> and, and then the question ultimately is like, well, what do we do with those emotions? Because a lot of times we don't want to feel those emotions. And so then we pretend that they're not there. We stuff them down somewhere. They go into our body somewhere you know, whatever it is. I mean, if we think about so many of the ailments that we struggle with in our physical bodies, it's emotions that haven't been expressed. Mm -hmm. And we've seen in all these different traditions around the world that through music, through the voice, one of the, probably the most profound way to express emotion, to move emotion. Say you're angry, for example, you're angry, but you're, and maybe you're angry at someone or at something. It's like, But what we can learn to do is actually use the voice and express anger, not towards someone or at someone, you know, or in a violent way, but just express it. And we might scream, you know, we might just scream in frustration, you know, we might just, you know, really vent or we might really, you know, chant to Shiva or something like, you know, like, ah, Shiva. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like in a sense that just like, And then in the same way, like, especially with mantra or we're in a devotional way, it's like, even through that expression of anger, we offer it back. Om Namah Shivaya, you know, like, or, you know, you, you lost your job or your relationship ended or someone's passed in your life. And, you know, you're feeling grief, you're feeling sadness, you're feeling frustration, disappointment, all these things, right? Like, oh my God, what do I do with all these emotions? And it's like, oh, what if we sing? What if we sing Om Namah Shivaya or we sing the Kali or we sing, you know, the Guru or Shanti and we invoke these mantras to move those emotional states, to elevate the emotional states. And there's an incredible freedom with that. Mm -hmm. This can can be a cathartic release. It can be healing at such profound levels, Mm, such profound levels. Yeah, raising that vibration. For yeah, sure. and it, ex- it, so it helps healing. us expand and elevate the mind, you know, because it's so easy, especially with the lower emotions, it can be so easy to go into victim state, mm-hmm. right? And the use of mantra, use of devotional music and practices is, is to help us elevate it. And, you know, we're still going to feel it. We're going to still go through it, but hopefully we can um, stay as much as we can in a more elevated state mm-hmm. around it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious too, you know, just, I know there's so many mantras to choose from and, you know, as we're talking about emotions and, you know, it just made me think about, you know, just um, my own experience right now. And, and, you know, my, my dog just passed away um, yesterday and so feeling that grief, right. And so I'm working through that and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, you know, feeling grief because it's a, it's a big emotion there's loss with everything. Right. And not just, you know, the passing of someone or an animal, but, you know, losing opportunities and really being able to tune into 
what that that loss really represents and being able to you know tune into the emotions and feeling that energy on such a physical level because like you said it is just energy in motion and we can just when we tap into that we can help move that energy and so i'm just curious like are there i don't know I just want to say like top three mantras that you would recommend for maybe moving some of that energy for, you know, some emotional experiences for, for people that might be interested in, in working with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for loss, of course, like Om Namah Shivaya is like a classic one because Shiva is the, that aspect of consciousness that transforms the transmutes that is related to death and um, transition and back to source, because this is really important that, you know, ultimately nothing really dies, but it does change mm-hmm. <laughs> and the forms change, mm-hmm. but the spirit and the soul is eternal. And that's the unchanging, that changeless aspect of us. And so when we chant Om Namah Shivaya, that's what we're really tuning into that aspect of consciousness that is unchanging, but is also honoring that in the, there is the transition, the transformation of the the form and the experiences that we have of, that we have in general. So Om Namah Shivaya is beautiful. In the Sikh Kundalini tradition, they use Akal, Akal for that deathless. And Mm. really, what does that mean? It means deathless one. It's going back to the deathless. And that's a beautiful one. Kali, Kali Ma. (laughs) <laughs> another mm-hmm. that's the feminine aspect of it is the transformation and the death and typically she's relates to ego mm-hmm. the death of ego which in some ways letting go of form is also letting go of the ego mm-hmm. you know and it's a, a little it's a mini death mm-hmm. for whoever is really connected to someone or something that's transitioning so you know because a part of you that's attached to this form is also having to let go Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, depending on how attached you are, this amount of emotion that can be there. And it's not a bad thing, you know? I mean, ultimately, like the yoga teachings are to do your best to, to be aware of, of your attachments. But come on, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're human. <laughs> we're going to be attached. And there's going to be pain with that as we lose mm-hmm. it, you know, lose someone or something or animals, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Ananda. This has been such a rich conversation. I feel like we need about a three-hour slot. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but we would love for our listeners to know either more about your other music. You've got some albums, where they can find you, and like anything else you're currently working on. What could you share with us? Beautiful. Yeah, like I said, um, you can find all my music on all the streaming platforms, Ananda Das. You can look me up, Flower of Life and Flow Like the River are my two solo albums. And then you can look up my, uh, me and my partner, my musical partner, Jayalakshmi and Ananda. Um, and you can find many different albums there with us. We had a, a lot of albums. And then you can also contact me at anandadas.info is my website. And um, there's ways to see what I got my events coming up. I've got a training, uh, a music and mantra training, singing music and mantra and kirtan training and uh, end of October, October 25th to the 30th. So that's an immersive experience. If you ever wanted to dive in deep and experience, um, you know, opening up your voice and going into the mantra practice, definitely that would be a great one to come to. And I do retreats and small events, you know, all over the place. So the best way maybe just to help on my email list too, and, and find out about upcoming events and trainings. Um, I also have something called the modern Bhakti yoga Academy, and there's three courses on there. Um, one's for the voice, uh, called free your voice. One's called Kirtan fundamentals. So if you want to learn Kirtan and learn more about, um, leading Kirtan and, and bhajans, which is basically like mantra chanting, um, there's a course there. And then the last one is a course called embodiment of the divine. That's another one I did with Jaya Lakshmi. And that's a whole really profound practice uh, or course that includes yoga practices, wisdom talks, and then kirtans um, for eight different deities. So each deity, we do a yoga class and a wisdom talk for. Um, so it's a very comprehensive, if you want to understand more about the, the, the yoga tradition with the deities and the mantra practices and embodiment of it. 
it's a really, really profound course. So these are all designed to just help people and they're in the, the devotional path. And what's the devotional path? It's like, it's just wanting to learn how to love more, how to like love and express yourself more. It's not about like a religious context of, or wanting you to become Hindu or Christian or Muslim or whatever. It's like, no, it's, it's how to just love, how to love mm. more profoundly. Mm. You know, that's what all these deities and the archetypes are for. Anyways, they're really designed. It's a science of how to, how to grasp the human conditioning and to be able to just have more love and compassion and understanding for what we go through and what everybody else has gone through. Mm. So, yeah. So that's my courses online. I love that. That's modern Bhakti yoga Academy. You can look that up um, again, all that stuff's on anandadas.info. That's probably the easiest way to just find all this stuff. And then last but not least, of course, if you're interested in doing one-on-one mentorship with me, I love it. I'd love to work with you and open up the voice, deepen in the devotion. Maybe we do some practices, yoga practices, all that. It's all available mm. to you. Beautiful, beautiful. And really, isn't that what everything comes down to is just love <laughs> and just, yeah, just as we are. Well, thank you so much, Ananda, for being here today with us and sharing this beautiful space for having this conscious conversation. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to Be The Love Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with special guest interviews and speak the love, conscious conversations with your co-hosts, myself and Brenda. A monthly donation of $2.22 or $5.55 really helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays and Thursdays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.